the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. And like a good Ginsu knife commercial, he slices, he dices, there's so much more. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, two of me for just nineteen ninety-five. Send check or money order, too. No, we're only kidding. Good afternoon. Great to have you on board. Another edition of Lifeline. We are, of course, here Monday through Friday at this time, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. Well, on this Wednesday, we've got quite the program planned for you. Coming up a little bit later on, we're going to talk about the, the, the growing number of cases of domestic violence across our country. And, and much of this, I think, is being sort of pushed to the surface by the Me Too movement as we're beginning to get a greater understanding and awareness of over-sexualization within American culture today. We're also beginning to get a better understanding of the levels in which abuse, quite frankly, has been there, sort of lurking in the shadows all along. And, and the abuse is not just simply in the forms of what we've seen in Hollywood of late, things of this sort, but abuse taking place in average relationships in average homes. What does the face of domestic abuse look like in 2018? And for these women and their children who oftentimes feel trapped in that kind of abusive situation, is there any hope? Well, Carol Patterson is going to join us tonight in studio to give us some insight on the resounding answer to that question, one which I think will encourage you enormously. We'll get to that conversation coming up momentarily. Right now, as we lead off the program, a look at a victory in the column for religious freedom and First Amendment rights in America, a follow-up on a story that we've been following for you for quite some time now regarding a retirement community down in Southern California that essentially said to a group of seniors who live there that the gospel and their exercise of First Amendment rights was not welcome in Bakersfield. Here with the story, Brad Dacus, founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Counselor, as always, a delight to have you join us and a, a big roaring a round of applause for you. Uh, job well done. Give us a little bit of an update, though, for listeners that perhaps have not been with us for past conversations. Tell us a bit about the plight of these seniors down in Blake Bakersfield who were trying to do nothing more involved or complicated than just get together for an impromptu men or women's Bible study or church service. Yeah, it's it's uh, we're talking about a uh, Dell Webb type retirement community, and they have like a, a clubhouse where different groups meet and different you know the the knitting club or whatever you know whatever they do, uh, and. Well, guess what? There's some Christians, and they want to get together, have Bible study on Sunday morning. They thought, hey, a lot of our people here in the community, you know, can't drive to church, or so let's let's go ahead and have like a, a little church service here, worship service, and so they they did that, and it was uh, you know, well attended actually. Well, one atheist in the community complained, one atheist, Craig, and 
they decided to boot them out and say, you guys can't have anything, no, nothing religious here. You guys are out. Well, and uh, wait, well, let me interrupt now, Counselor. Sure. Because if, if so, there, the group of residents in the community that are, are holding this Sunday morning church service, they, they weren't compelling the atheists to attend. They weren't like tying them down to a seat and making them sit through a sermon, were they? Yeah, no, they, they definitely were not. Uh, not that it wouldn't have hurt, but no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like maybe he needed it. But but my point yeah. is, uh, he wasn't being compelled to go. They weren't holding right. the church service in his living room. So what's the problem? Right. Um, he just didn't like the idea. Uh, he was very intolerant. I mean, you know, he, he, uh, which is really the, the hypocrisy we see so much uh, coming from that that uh, the, the, that group sometimes is, uh, an attitude of not freedom of religion, and but freedom from religion. It's it's a mindset that uh, some atheists do have, and he was one of them. And uh, so he they they booted all these these uh, this, these Christians uh, off the the grounds. We were contacted by um, the leader of that group, and we uh, represented him uh, without charge. We represented their 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 leadership without charge. Uh, he of course was very emphatic about it because he came to Christ through this Bible study uh, group, and so uh, several years ago. So he was very emphatic on the, its value and importance. So we uh, went to court, and uh, the, the judge uh, ruled in favor of having them brought back uh, onto the, uh, the, uh, the meeting room, uh, the meeting area, and so they were ordered back uh, to be able to meet again. And you'd think it'd be over, right? And then the atheist moves out of the community. you think, okay, it's done. No, it's not done, because the association says, okay, well, we're going to uh, come up with a new policy, to which will still uh, boot you out. And, and uh, we had to continue with the litigation because they refused to assure us that they were not going to boot out uh, either the men's Bible study, the women's Bible study, or the worship group. And um, I'm pleased to announce that we just uh, had the matter uh, settled and finally, finally resolved. And uh, we're very, very pleased with the outcome. This, this HOA sounds as if they're uh, they're just gluttons for punishment, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, it, they were emphatic about it, just so emphatic on keeping out those Christians, uh, even though the law was very clear, even though they already you know had their hands slapped once, and uh, and just to see that 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 intensive uh, vial that they had towards um, towards people being able to read the Bible, gathering together, and in a retirement community like this, in Bakersfield, of all places, what I call a little piece of Texas, um, you just don't expect that. And yet uh, we at Pacific Justice Institute found ourselves in, in Bakersfield uh, defending them, and, and by God's grace, successfully. Now, at the end of the day, for others eavesdropping on our conversation here today that say, well, gee, uh, there's a group of us that meet together for uh, a men's prayer at uh, our local retirement community here. What exactly does the law have to say about religious rights in that kind of environment? Yeah, actually, California specifically has some a very good state, uh, some great state law uh, addressing uh, the, Wait, I'm uh, sorry. You said that in the same sentence. California and great state law. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. But, uh, it is a, it's a really good uh, uh, housing uh, law statute that deals with uh, the the ability and right for uh, such groups to be able to meet and not be discriminated against and uh, booted out because they're religious. So there's some real, there's some fantastic statutory empowerment, uh, separate potentially 
from uh, from uh, federal arguments, but it's the state law that was really uh, so so uh, pivotal in this matter. And we at California know state law forward and backward. Uh, you know, as you know, we have five offices in California, and so state law is often a very valuable tool uh, that others coming from the outside flying in just simply are not aware of. And so we're really blessed to be able to have that those tools to use. Well, certainly, again, this is a major victory for uh, senior citizens and the ability to worship freely um, at uh, locations where they gather or retirement communities, things of that sort, throughout the state of California. So uh, a a major hats off uh, to you and the legal team with Pacific Justice Institute. And if others find themselves in a similar set of circumstances where suddenly they've just been meeting quietly, peacefully, no big deal, and somebody decides, nah, we don't like these Christians and uh, decide to retaliate, what should they best do? Uh, call Pacific Justice Institute <laughs> um, immediately. Uh, that's, uh, you know, it's, they, uh, they're often intimidated, um, and they don't need to be, um, you know, if they, if they contact us, we can educate them what their rights are. Uh, but, uh, they, uh, you know, but separate from that, I would say they need to uh, put in writing their requests for the time, the place, and have an actual... Um, formal rejection, not just a verbal rejection, because uh, so, then it's, it's it's very clear. And then also to ask them to state, you know, if they say it's rejected, please, uh, please state why, so we just so we know for future reference and planning other things, you know, why we're not, you know, allowed to meet. And, uh, and let them put it in writing, because once it's in writing, uh, on black and white on, on paper, uh, it's very helpful then to move forward and uh, getting it uh, resolved favorably. Yeah, indeed so. That other little document in writing called the um, Constitution and the Bill of Rights helps out a lot, too. <laughs> Our thanks to Brad Dacus, constitutional lawyer, the founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Again, kudos, uh, Brad, to you and your legal team for a job well done. And uh, big uh, big lip, uh, victory lap there on behalf of uh, the ability to enjoy First Amendment rights and the freedom to worship here in the state of California. And you heard him say it. California has some good laws. I weren't sure that there was any. That's great news. All right. Thank you so much, Brad. We'll talk to you soon. Brad Dacus with the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's pause here and get you an update on traffic on this Wednesday ride home. Let's get the latest with Brian Peacock in the KFAX Traffic Center. Hey, Brian. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the program. We're here at 20 minutes after the hour, 5 p.m. on your Wednesday ride home. Leaving an abusive relationship. It's a time, quite frankly, for a woman or her children when they are most likely to be either seriously harmed or even murdered by their partner. In fact, most women will attempt to leave an abusive situation between five to seven times before successfully doing so. Why? Clearly the fear factor. Many of these situations that attribute to this sort of domestic abuse and violence include substance abuse, mental health issues, uncontrolled anger. All of it plays a big part in why women are abused. How we help them escape the abusive situation, that's another big question. And joining me today in studio to help provide the answer is the new executive director of Shepherd's Gate Ministries. We are pleased to have with us Carol Patterson. Carol, welcome. Hi, Craig. I should say to listeners, uh, say, hmm, Carol Patterson, name seems to ring a bell, and as well it should. You have been involved for many, many years, almost two decades with City Team Ministries. 
a rich and long background, not only in nonprofit ministry operation, but I think a lot of that clearly must have fostered your heart for both women and children that find themselves in abusive situations. In in the case of the ministry that you have left to come over and take the reins of Shepherd's Gate, seeing the results where many women find themselves homeless because of an abusive situation that they're fleeing from. That's right. Uh, you know, God called my called upon me uh, 18 years ago to leave the high-tech industry and really caught my eye on children that are suffering in poverty and abusive situations and how what could I do? One person. And I just uh, went to the website for City Team and saw they needed an executive uh, director. And so asked my husband if we could take a pay cut. And he's like, it's our time to give back to God. And that is why I, God has totally prepared me through the last 17 years to be here for Shepherd's Gate to carry them into the next generation. And coming, I think, at an important time, because as I alluded to in my opening remarks tonight, the issue of domestic abuse, Mm -hmm. violence against women and and their children, for that matter, um, is getting more and more attention these days. I think perhaps in part because of the spotlight that has been trained on the Me Too movement, the growing awareness, though it's always been there, of the violent manner in which our culture and society has treated women, Mm -hmm. not just in the workplace, but in the home as well. And of course, most notably, as you were mentioning a few statistics before we came on the air here today, the number of women and children that are the victims of domestic abuse and violence is a pretty staggering number. It is. And you've got to think that domestic violence, it, it doesn't discriminate. There's been some very high-profile cases here in the Bay Area in the high-tech industry where there has been serious domestic violence attempted murder um, on women. So the boundaries are not simply a profile of somebody that uh, is from the wrong side of the tracks or uh, a particular minority group. It really crosses all socioeconomic lines. Correct. But the serious part is three women will lose their life today to a domestic violence situation in the home. I mentioned the other statistic that on average it's five to seven attempts before a woman actually breaks free, if she's able to break free. And some people might say, well, wait a minute now. To the casual observer, if you're in an abusive relationship and the husband or the boyfriend, the partner, whatever, is acting out, has a violent temper, maybe a substance abuse problem, and is mistreating a woman to the point of her having to hide bruises with turtleneck shirts and Mm -hmm. pretend that the black eye was falling and down the stairs or what have you, make up the stories to try to kind of cover all of this. Why not just get up and leave? Why not just walk out and say, that's it, I'm done with this? Uh, And and when you describe it in with bruises, so... Domestic violence can be in the form of physical, but it also can be violent, and it can be sexual, and it can be a controlling uh, environment. Um, And so 
the one of the main reasons uh, why women are it's hard for them to break free is because if they're in this environment the this uh partner has already controlled the situation financially um so they probably don't have private credit cards they don't have separate bank accounts and they don't have credit history in order to just run out and and rent a, an apartment so what happens is that when they do come out, they do run away. First, they've got to run away to a safe house, a safe place, and there's only two in, in Contra Costa County that are available to, to hide a woman and child for X number of months. And, um, and then she's got to rebuild her life because she's, she's definitely been controlled and not free financially to break away from this. And it sounds like the other layer that attends to that control is not just economic, but it's also a fear factor, too. Oh, fear factor in the sense that fear that uh, the partner will take control of the children and um, she won't be able to have the children and and, um, holding that over her head. Well, and if there's a history where, let's say, in the arena of physical abuse, he has beaten her before because she got home late, because dinner was cold, whatever the case is, and now she's talking about leaving him, uh, there's every reason to believe that if he'll act out in anger and hit her because dinner was cold, what would he do if she attempted to get up and leave? Yeah. There, there are a lot of triggers. They're called triggers of what triggers the, uh, the, up um, level of anger within the uh, home, and so you, it's undetermined what that trigger could be. But all of this seems then, as you're describing, Carol, to almost, um, how should we say, in a sense, sort of conspire against the woman who recognizes it's not a safe place for me, it's certainly not a safe environment in which to raise my children, but if this individual has not only fear as a controlling factor over me, but economics is a controlling factor mm-hmm. over me, then it, I guess it's no wonder that a lot of women literally feel trapped. Right. Um, I think when it really comes down to when the violence happens to her child, that is when she just can't tolerate it anymore and that she makes that move in order to save her children. For a lot of women, this is viewed as an act of desperation. And by Mm -hmm. that, I mean they often, when they make that break, when that that triggering event for them to actually say, that's it, I can handle it and take it no more, I can Mm -hmm. no longer allow my children to be exposed to all of this, to get up and walk out then becomes a question of, Walking, You know what you're leaving, what you're going away from, but what are you going toward? Where do you go to find safe haven? How do you literally start all over again? What happens to the woman who, say, has been a wife and homemaker the entire time? So there are no marketable skills. As you say, they may not have a separate bank account, credit cards, all that would be necessary in order to reestablish life. And so, therefore, an organization, a ministry like Shepherd's Gate, really becomes sort of the the, the last stand, the, the, the one beacon of hope that a woman has. Uh, that. Uh, there's her church also. Uh, there are two other organizations that have um, undisclosed locations 
because we are not an undisclosed location. So we are um, evident where the other two organizations stand and the Tri-Valley Haven. Those are secret locations where a woman can run to for X number of months, and that would be her first phase. And then her second phase would be to come to Shepherd's Gate and actually start rebuilding her life. Um, with all of our programs for a year to 18 months um, and to help the child through their trauma as well. So, um, And is that aspect, in a sense, unique to Shepherd's Gate to the degree that there are plenty of organizations that will attempt to help a woman in an abusive situation, but being able to create an environment that not only helps the woman but keeps her together with the children is vitally important. Shepherd's Gate is a rare, um, a rare ministry because most uh, programs for women don't allow them to keep their children over five years old, where we allow um, girls up to 18 newborn to 18 and boys newborn to 10 years old and so and also we work with them to reunify them with their their kids so if they have gone into the custody of a family member or into the foster care system we're working with the court system to regain their children back Um, so it's it's a long process but a critical one wouldn't you agree in the sense that a woman has had her dignity stripped from her her sense of value, self-worth, safety and security, and then to add insult to injury on top of all of that is suddenly finding the only way I'm going to get out of this abusive situation is to either surrender my children to the court system or to a family member. Heavens, I don't want them to be in the presence of the father or boyfriend or partner because right. the abuse that she was experiencing may very well now be trained on them. Right. So it, 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 you begin to get the picture that this is an extremely complex, very involved challenge, both mm-hmm. in terms of, of addressing the, the, the basics at the start and then starting that restoration process that a mm-hmm. woman can say, okay, I'm making the break and I'm embarking on a whole new life that oftentimes requires a whole new set of life skills, a whole new set of job skills, a whole new outlook on life. It, it's not a quick fix. And um, it can happen to a younger woman and it can happen to an older woman. We have seniors that are also at Shepherd's Gate and it's their first time that they have run away. Wow. Um, because they just couldn't take having their spouse put their hands around their neck and choking them one more time. If you've just joined us, we're today in studio with Carol Patterson. Carol is the CEO of Shepherd's Gate Ministries. They have campuses both in Livermore and in Brentwood. When we come back, we'll talk a bit more about the challenges, the opportunity from a ministry standpoint, as well as some of the amazing history of Shepherd's Gate Ministries. Information available, by the way, on the web at shepherdsgate.org. That's shepherdsgate.org. Let's take a brief time out, get you updated on some traffic right quick. Brian Peacock has got the latest in the KFAX Traffic Center. Hey, Brian. 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right. Welcome back to the conversation. We continue our visit tonight in studio. The CEO of Shepherd's Gate Ministries with us tonight, Carol Patterson. Information, by the way, about the ministry online at shepherdsgate.org. That's shepherdsgate.org. This ministry, in so many ways, I think, typifies the way in which God honors his word and honors someone who is obedient to his calling. Take a moment, if you would, for folks that are not aware of the story of Alice Ann Cantalo, <laughs> who had reached retirement and I probably, like most folks, wanted to, you know, enjoy a day on the beach, so to speak. But in the early 1980s, God gave her an entirely different agenda. Tell us briefly about that. Yeah, she was a park ranger and um, and she was retiring but God would verbally speak to her and say, I need you to open a house for homeless women and children here in Livermore. And he had pointed right to the house that um, he needed her to uh, purchase. And um, that was in 1984. And God would provide funds for her to be able to, to get that property. And she would sleep people in every corner of the house. Um, on the couch, and so many people have shared their interaction with Alice Ann that she was a trailblazer in those days of of just being able to use all her resources and every church and and community leader in Livermore to to help those that were struggling with domestic violence, addiction, or um, homelessness. And it's interesting to contrast the picture of the early days of Shepherd's Gate mm-hmm. to where it's at today with two spectacular campuses. And anyone that has ever been by the main office in Livermore would think, gee, what a beautiful retirement center or uh, maybe it's a, a condominium res- resort. Who right. knows? Uh, but really demonstrative of the way in which the community has captured the vision and come alongside Shepherd's Gate Ministry in recognition of both the, the need and the opportunity. And what I think is, is particularly encouraging about Alice's sense of both commitment, dedication, and sacrifice, that she used retirement dollars. I mean, mm-hmm. she literally pulled out every stop to go out and buy this tiny little three-bedroom house. Uh, clearly, she had a bigger vision than she had resources, but God has been faithful down through the years. And through that period of time, the number of women and children that have been literally saved because of Shepherd's Gate is phenomenal. Way over 11,000. Wow. Way over. But, um, you know, it's all about saying yes to God. Alice Ann said yes to God. And then Steve and Carla McCree, they came and said yes to God. And they carried that vision what Alice Ann gave them. And they built the beautiful campus in Livermore and then in Brentwood. And and it was so unfortunate that Steve would have an accident that would paralyze him from the neck down. And then he passed away a year ago. And I was with City Team and I was meeting with Shepherd's Gate's chairman of the board, Alan, because I wanted Shepherd's Gate to survive because there's just not enough programs in the Bay Area that are Christian that will help a woman rebuild her life. And City Team has too. And I just wanted, I wanted to pray with Alan to make sure that the next person that was coming to say yes uh, heard God's calling. Now, 
at no time did I think it was myself. <laughs> I went into that coffee shop, and before I pulled the door, God would say, so, Carol, it's you that I want to say yes. I want you to say yes to me. And so I went in, and I said, Alan, I got to share with you that I'm, I'm here to pray with you, but I, I'm here to say that God's called me to lead Shepherd's Gate. And he's like, you know, we're far, far along in the interview process. And I said, if God's ordained this, I'm not worried about it. And sure enough, two months later, I am leaving City Team, which I loved. And I came to Shepherd's Gate. And today, I see how God's prepared me the last 17 years to be able to mentor the staff, advance our programs, and increase our capacity to help more women and children. Um, so um, I'm, I'm here to say yes and that God's right here with me and that um, we're going to grow Shepherd's Gate even bigger. One of the things that strikes me, Carol, about the, the background, the rich experience that you bring from homeless ministry into Shepherd's Gate is the rich diversity in the sense that you deal with adults, children. You're dealing with individuals who find themselves homeless because of substance abuse, domestic violence, to be sure, mental health issues, a variety of crises that lead to a situation where a person is suddenly on the street homeless. And then that process of bringing them back into a full contributing member of society and restoring in them not only a sense of hope, but also a sense of self-worth and self-dignity, which is so important because particularly for the woman, I would imagine, that's been through and is in a domestic abusive situation, so much of the sense of self-worth and self-dignity has been stripped away. And the enemy uses that as a tool to keep that woman down. And I would imagine in part that's also the reason why oftentimes they find it difficult to escape that of abusive situation. There's, there's no sense of, of my worth that I'm better than this. And so to be able to then step in and help a woman begin that process mm-hmm. of seeing herself through God's eyes and having a renewed sense of self-worth and self-value and to restore her dignity is so critically important. It's a 12 to 18 month process. This is not a quick fix because we are, you know, we're starting with the physical needs of the woman. Maybe she hasn't slept eight hours a night. She's been in fear. Um, She hasn't had a consistent diet. Um, She hasn't exercised in a long time. So that's our first stage and helping her to feel safe in our, in our home. And then we're introducing her to her heavenly father and the heavenly father that loves her. And that's a challenge because she's only known the love of a domestic violence uh, situation. And to share with her that her heavenly father loves her, that's a process and an experience step by step. And I would, and God's the one who transforms their lives while they're at Shepherd's Gate. We just give them the all the tools to do that. Um, but we have such special Bible studies by volunteers that come in and slowly teach them the Bible, 
and we have a um, Heavenly Father's class where they find out who that is in their life, and also their children um, discover that too. So it's a discovering process, and and I would say that the verse that the women all all hold dear, and I think that this comes from the Alice Ann days as well. Um, it's Philippians four thirteen. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And that's what they carry through that 12 months is God's going to give me the strength to do this. That 12-month period of time is then not just an opportunity to, to heal from all of those negative experiences, but then also to build layer upon layer of new life skills, new parenting skills, new job skills, so they can literally begin life anew. Right. So our Learning and Career Center is vital um, for them to be able to get the skills in order to get a living wage to live in our community. And so we're not talking, you know, many years ago, I think you could survive on a job at McDonald's, but today you can't. So we're we're teaching computer skills so our women can get jobs of $23 an hour so they can rent an apartment in Livermore or Brentwood. Um, so we have tremendous uh, volunteers that come in and teach on Google Docs and Microsoft Office, and they get a certification from our Learning and uh, Career Center. And then um, a new program I've started is a business women's network where a businesswoman in the community walks alongside our woman during the career phase and just they have coffee and they talk about what resumes are you going to get out today, what what jobs are you looking for, uh, and then how did you do your thank you notes and your emails. And then after she gets the job, then having coffee with her and discussing how is the work environment, how are you spending your time at work, and coaching her. Really almost career mentoring in that sense. Correct. So I'm looking for career woman, women that would like to um, – sign up for a six-month commitment to be a partner with a woman in our program. And we have, in Livermore, we have the capacity for 70 women and children, and in Brentwood, we have 18. So... Well, there might be a woman listening right now who says, gee, I've got some life skills. I've got some business experience. I've and been networks. in the corporate world. I've run my own business. And the opportunity to mentor another woman who has been through some difficult experiences, who's met some tough challenges, but is really working on getting her life back on track again. What a wonderful ministry opportunity. I mean, it is in every sense of the word um, uh, career discipleship, if you will. There you go. And uh, we as believers, of course, are first and foremost called to make disciples. And I think that big picture is not just discipleship, certainly in walking with the Lord, but also discipleship and the skills that are necessary to walk through life. Mm -hmm. If you want to get more information, you can go to Shepherdsgate, shepherdsgate.org, again online at Shepherds Gate ORG, or they can call the office to get more information if they'd like to say, hey, I, I, this, this whole mentoring program kind of appeals to me. I'd like to find out if more. If they want to email me, it's cpatterson at shepherdsgate.org. All right. cpatterson, shepherdsgate.org. You can also call the office at 925-443-4283. That's 925 
4283. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation. Carol Patterson with us tonight from Shepherd's Gate Ministry. A brief time out now, an update for you traffic-wise. Brian Peacock's got the latest. Brian, how we doing out there? And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We are visiting today in studio with Carol Patterson. She is the Chief Executive Officer of Shepherd's Gate Ministries. Information, by the way, about the ministry and its two campuses in Livermore and Brentwood. Online at shepherdsgate.org. That's shepherdsgate.org. Carol, as we've been learning today, the focus of the ministry is not just simply refuge for women that are escaping abusive scenarios, be it because of domestic violence or substance abuse for herself or a partner, but a ministry that is focused on rebuilding and restoration, retooling or retraining, so to speak, so that that woman can get a new start in life and break free of the ties of those past relationships that have been dangerous and toxic at every single level. And so in that regard, this really becomes a multifaceted ministry that starts, as you started to suggest before the break, with just getting that woman into a safe place, ministering to her immediate physical needs, ministering to her spiritual needs, Mm -hmm. moving on then to both career-related skills, as we talked about the mentoring program, and then to, I would imagine, a lot of just basic life skills. Like, for example, if you come from a household where it was very dysfunctional, you never really saw healthy parenting modeled in your own parents, I would imagine a woman suddenly really is continuing that cycle because that's all she knows. So providing her with parenting skills would be important, too. Correct. And um, and so that is built into their case management and their their goals, because um, so often women don't even know how to hug their children and to love them. And so we uh, we we uh, have a parenting class for that. We have an on-site nursery uh, where the children uh, spend the day while the women are in class, the babies and the toddlers, and then we have an after-school program in the afternoon for the kids in the afternoon. And so the moms are free to continue taking all of their classes required. And so relapse prevention, anger management, parenting, uh, dealing with their legal issues, their court cases. We have volunteers that drive them to their court cases and pray with them before and rejoice afterwards of what God has given because many of the judges know who we are and they know that we are a full program that's going to address every aspect of their life. This is not a quick fix approach by any means. And and it's one that one of the things that that, uh, strikes me having visited the campus is this is not an institutional approach. You very much get the feeling that you're in a healthy community, a healthy home environment, right? which for a lot of these women, I would imagine, is the first time they've ever really experienced things like that. So the other day I had uh, uh, San Ramon Presbyterian Church, the women's group there. They put on this beautiful Mother's Day tea, and I sat down with the women and had tea with them, and they said, you know, last year at Mother's Day, it wasn't like this. I was homeless. I didn't have a friend in the world. And here I am having tea in this beautiful house with these women that have put on this beautiful tea and treated me with dignity and Mm -hmm. respect 
and loved me. And I'm amazed of where I am today. So inch by inch, just rebuilding their lives. Um, and volunteers are a part of that with us. Um, the other aspect I was going to say is then in they also we work on the financial aspect of their lives. So we get their credit score when they come and their credit score when they graduate because we want to uh, work on that, rebuilding that, uh, getting a bank account. Many of these women feel ashamed and they don't even want to step into a bank. So we have Wells Fargo and Bank of America come out and do classes on our campus for the women. Um, we do the Dave Ramsey financial mm-hmm. course. Um, then they also are part of a church community, and they also are uh, taking discipleship classes, and they're volunteering in the community. Uh, so that and and the the real surprising thing to me was that we have over thirty children running around being normal children on our campus, going to school, riding their bike. And, and them working on their lives and going to therapy and having counselors and Child Protective Services come and do evaluations on our campus. Um, but they are not forgotten either, that we have to work on their lives as well because they have seen and, and dis, they have lived through trauma, whether it would be sleeping in a car or seeing domestic violence um, or, or being victims themselves. I would correct. imagine a lot of them are coming from not just as sort of, as you say, participatory or uh, rather as a spectator, but rather they have been unwilling participants in all of this. Yeah. The the amazing story, um, we have a 10-year-old boy on our Brentwood campus, and he was sharing with me how proud he is of his mom because she hung up her 10-month coin from AA on the wall. And he is his, he is the biggest cheerleader for his mom, a 10 wow. year old boy. And you know why? Because I'm sure he's the one who has picked her up off the floor many a time and said, Mom, I gotcha. What a big responsibility for a 10 year old little boy. And um, so they're doing great now. And that sense of saying, We're here for you, we've got you, is really a message that the community. Uh, needs to embrace as well. And you've you've talked a little bit about some of the volunteer opportunities. Go a little deeper for us, if you would. Uh, the example of the one church that came and put on a tea for the ladies on Mother's Day is wonderful. Yeah. But in addition to things like that or the, uh, the businesswoman's mentoring program, what else is available where folks say, you know, I've got some extra time on my hands and I would like to be able to roll up my sleeves and come down and do something meaningful and worthwhile mm-hmm. to help women and families that are coming out of these domestic uh, abusive situations and really help contribute to uh, their restoration. So they can always go to our website and hit the volunteer button or they can come for a tour so they can get an idea of where their expertise would be would best fit. Um, but um, several different types of uh, things, whether it be this summer, we have all the kids home uh, for a couple weeks while they're on summer break. And I am looking to host different day activities for the kids. Almost like a VBS, like a vacation Bible school sort of thing? Exactly. So I'm asking churches, high school students, to reuse their VBS programs for our kids, spend a day with us, and um, teach our kids about God and to have fun. 
And so every day on our on our calendar, we have mapped out the activities that the kids will have. We're also doing Friday night uh, movie and dinner and a movie. And a company or church or social group can uh, host that. And we're also doing family reunification days. So on Mother's Day, Cornerstone Church in Hayward came out and cooked a pancake breakfast. And during that time, the women were able to invite a safe person from their past. Um, And most of them were their mothers to have a two-hour safe environment pancake breakfast and so we have all the grills available it's it was a men's group that came and they cooked pancake breakfast is wonderful and to see kids running to meet their grandmothers and women spending time with their own mothers in a safe environment it was great and that was a first for shepherd's gate and we're going to have more of those throughout the year um so They can come and help us brainstorm of how they can do that. We we have a group that's coming to do a graduation party for our kids. I want to celebrate every child graduating from whatever grade because that is a milestone in their life. And so we're having a cake and ice cream party for each child. And um, Murray Construction bought a gift for every child to celebrate them. So... That's how people get involved. Well, and, and taking an opportunity to volunteer a few hours and help to contribute to creating a healthy home environment, which really sounds like the goal that's been established by Shepherd's Gate, that, that for many of these women and children, this is the first time they've mm-hmm. ever had a place, a safe place, to call home. We have groups that come and teach cooking classes. We have... Um, a woman that comes and does yoga with the women. She do, There's another one that does physical exercise with them. There's another one who does um, hikes, takes our women and children on hikes. Uh, there are game nights that we do on Friday and Saturday nights, just board games, family fun. Because these women need to, when they graduate, they need to have those skills of how to have fun Um and joy without involving violence or addiction um, and to be able to incorporate their children. So that is a skill. Now, in addition to many of the volunteer opportunities, and again, we would urge you to go to the Shepherd's Gate website. You can get more information, or maybe you've got some unique skill or ability that you'd like to bring to the table. I, I just remembered we have pet therapy. We have music therapy. People come and teach our kids and our women. It's so fun to see our kids running up and down the sidewalk with a dog that's in pet therapy. Oh, that's great stuff. So (laughs) if you'd like to volunteer online at shepherdsgate.org, that's shepherdsgate.org. Now, you also mentioned um, off the air, Carol, that uh, Shepherd's Gate for some time has run a very successful thrift store. Tell us more about that. They have. And I'm surprised because so many people know about it in in the community, Um, whether they like to shop there and and see the sales. Um, If you're a Facebook or Instagram person, you can see when our sales are. And some of our donations don't even get off the truck. They just go right out to another family. And that that funding helps us to finance our programs. So it's, um, 
It's in Livermore. You can check out our website and get the address. So it's... And, and if folks can, can certainly go down there and shop, and we urge them to do that, right, but also but if they'd like to donate. Yeah. Furniture, clothing, books, um, china, all different types of things. So anything that you can think of that either might be uh, to the advantage of a woman who's uh, getting her life started all over again, um, having graduated the program, or uh, simply contributions that can be sold through the Shepherd's Gate Thrift Store. Again, complete information available on the web at shepherdsgate.org. Now, let's get down to brass tacks. Uh, <laughs> volunteers are important. Uh, certainly donations and support for the thrift store is important. Mm-hmm. But we also know that a ministry like this takes resources. Um, one of the things that I think is a unique pride point for Shepherd's Gate Ministry is the degree of financial accountability is second to none. Not only are you an active member in the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, mm-hmm. But I understand that from Charity Navigator, you have received the highest rating they offer to a nonprofit. Wow. Yeah. That's a big deal. It is. Um, we have a great team that, uh, that really helps us be accountable, and um, we take it seriously. And so 82% of every dollar goes towards helping a woman and a child. And uh, we, we spend each and every dollar very carefully and uh, you know a lot of people ask me well what does it cost to put a woman through our program so it costs about eighteen thousand dollars to put the woman through our program for the full term and it's about fifteen thousand for a child um and and god is so good he provides every day for us and as you know we're we don't take government funding. Most of the government funding um, recovery programs are being taken down to a 90-day uh, program, and that's just not enough time for a woman and child to heal through whatever they've experienced. And so, uh, so we're such a rarity in our in our community in the Bay Area to have Shepherd's Gate and have two locations, and so. There are just local churches and individuals and foundations that have loved Shepherd's Gate for the past 34 years, and we are so thankful for them because they are so committed to this, to serve God by giving to Shepherd's Gate. And one of the points that I want to underscore that you just touched on, Carol, and that is that Shepherd's Gate is not tied into big government grants. No. There would, quite Zero. frankly, be so many strings and red tape attached to all of that that it would also water down many of the key components that makes Shepherd's Gate not only distinct in what it does, but so successful. Uh, talk in terms of the rate it, of recidivism. How many women that go through the program wind up back in an abusive situation? So we have a success rate of uh, over 80%. Now, a normal government-oriented or private recovery program would be 15 to 30%. Wow. So you almost have put those statistics on their head. Mm-hmm. And so we actually measure the success rate of our women by they've graduated um, one year after. We measure it right now as I'm in the new role. We're doing one-year measurement, but we will continue to measure it consistently throughout the years because we've just established an alumni program 
and having them come back on campus um, to be a part of our ministry. And so uh, we measure on they're clean and sober, they have a safe place to live, they're going to college or working, they're part of um, uh, their community and they're volunteering and their church relations. So we're, we're measuring several things. And and it really is. What's the secret sauce of Shepherd's Gate? It's God. Because, you know, there are women that have told me that they've been to other programs, and this is the only one that has has stuck. And it's because God has transformed their life. I see parents at graduation days, and they're in tears because these poor parents have, they've second mortgaged their houses to pay for those private recovery programs to help their one and only child to save them and and they they didn't know God themselves many of the women come to Shepherd's Gate and they have they are the generation that have never opened a Bible Mm. so their parents come to graduation and see their transformed daughter and that's why I want to do more family reunifications because events during the year because I know that the family is going to be transformed. God has a plan for them as well. So I've seen many a parent in tears because they never thought that their daughter would live through whatever they did. The secret sauce, as you say, is certainly the spiritual component. And, and then, too, I would imagine that the partnership with the community – through things like volunteerism and standing in partnership financially with Shepherd's Gate Ministry that has allowed you the freedom to operate in providing the resources and the tools from a spiritual standpoint, the tools necessary to help a woman Mm -hmm. rebuild her life is so critically important. And so toward that end, as you're thinking about everything from planned giving to uh, just standing in partnership with Shepherd Gates Ministries. Perhaps uh, you look at this as part of your church's extension of outreach. This is part of your local missions program, right. uh, monthly giving even uh, for you as an individual. Uh, you can certainly get more information about Shepherd's Gate by going online to shepherdsgate.org. That's shepherdsgate.org. And you do something unique. Very few ministries do this. But in the interest of full disclosure, if you want to know, well, what goes on? Where does it come from? Where does it go? Right. What's happening? I work hard for my money, and I want to make sure that it's being invested properly in the kingdom. There, there, there are no dark corners at Shepherd's Gate. All of your financial statements are available on your website. They are. But I want to invite anyone to email me or to come down for a tour. I personally will give you a tour and show you how your donation is used. So it's C. Patterson at shepherdsgate.org. I want to meet your listeners and show them God at work. There's two spectacular campuses, and uh, we invite you to do just that. Take Carol up on our offer. Uh, again, to get more information about uh, Shepherd's Gate Ministry through a donation, volunteering, standing in prayerful and financial support, you can contact uh, Carol Patterson, the uh, campus in Livermore, with the main office at 925-443-4283. That's 925-443-4283, or online anytime at shepherdsgate.org. 
Hey, Craig, can I just put a shout out to my great employees? The other people that are in ministry with me at Shepherd's Gate, they are a fantastic team. And God called each one of them to Shepherd's Gate to serve him. And I'm proud to serve with them. Amazing team. It it really is a a, a team effort in every respect, not only with the group of volunteers, the employees, those in the community that stand with the ministry of Shepherd's Gate. And the the proof is in the pudding, as they say, in the evidence of changed lives. Want to know more? Go online, shepherdsgate.org. That's shepherdsgate.org. Well, Carol, it's been a delight to visit with you and bring our listeners up to speed about what's been going on not only for you personally and your ministry track and and, uh, as well as what's going on with Shepherd's Gate. Thank you so much, Craig, and thank you to the listeners. And um, and one number that we didn't share tonight was the national hotline for domestic um, violence that. because it's so important that if somebody is in need tonight, it's one eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three. So if you are in a situation, please uh, call for help or email me. And know that there is help out there, 800-799-7233. Thanks again to Carol Patterson, CEO of Shepherd's Gate Ministries, for being with us. All right, we are not, we're not just late, we're really late, but that's okay. You're stuck in traffic. I bet you got the same problem. <laughs> Let's find out what's going on out there. 6.15 on the clock, an update for you right now with Brian Peacock in the KFAX Traffic Center. Brian? Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.